everybody, and welcome to another bonus episode of Business Meets Spirituality. Today, you will be hearing from Adam about how to begin screening new hires from the moment you write the job ad. He will also share tips and best practices for screening interviews and how to spot talent right off the bat. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and share this episode with someone who is looking to make their next hire. Thanks for listening. When you show up in your office, before you get out of your car or if you're at your, before you make your first phone call, I want you to remind yourself, take a pause and remind yourself that I'm not here to get anything from an employee. I'm not here to get anything from a client. I'm not here to get anything from a, an attorney or a title company or another agent or one of my agents. I am here to contribute to them. I'm here to contribute to them. Now, your actions may look the same. You're still going to walk in the building. You're still going to answer the phone call. You're still going to have the conversation. But the part of you that's doing it is different. And talent feels that. They feel that you have their interest in mind because you're really coming from contribution. Right? You're, you're not coming in there to, you need to get a deal so I can make money from you. That'll happen. That definitely happens. But you're coming from, hey, you're in my world. I want to grow you and contribute to you while you're here. I hope that lasts for a long time, but if it doesn't, I'm okay when it doesn't either because you're always coming from contribution. Don't ever be in a situation where I'm not going to train this person because they may leave me. Then don't hire them if you think that way because all you're going to do is set yourself up for failure in them as well too. You know, whenever we lost a, a team from the market center, one of the things I sent to our entire market center, I sent this email that basically said, you know, people ask me why I pour into teams so much just to have them leave at some point in time in the future, five, 10 years down the road, just because, you know, real estate is a, is a mobile, right? It's very transitory. People come and go and leave the industry, come in the industry. I said, look, because it's my obligation. It's my obligation. Well, somebody, I make a commitment to have somebody in my world, then it's my obligation to whoever I can to contribute to them, whether that's a direct influence contributing to me or through the messaging that we're getting out to the training that we're getting out to the people that we hire that are then supporting them. All of that is on you. So that's kind of your starting positions when, it, when you look at bringing on talent. So before you start creating a job or you start doing a screening interview, I want you to think about how am I showing up here? Am I in a position to be the one to really bring in this level of recruitment? Okay. So that that's that. Now, how do you weed away and save time? That starts with your job ad. And I'm going to read you a little bit of our job ad that we have because your job ad, by the way, should showcase your brand and your mission and your vision. You want people to basically say, oh my God, I hate that person. And I don't mean it like you, like you hate that person, meaning that like I would never want to work in that organization. Or you, and you, or you want somebody to say, this is exactly what I've been looking for. I can't believe I found this company. Somebody pinch me, right? This is what I want to be in. And I, you know, you think about it from this angle. If somebody were, if somebody on Wall Street were to call you up right now and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm I work for a company, an investment banking firm down on Wall Street. We're we're progressive." Going in that conversation, wouldn't be expecting Wall Street to be in that job to work 25, 30, or 40 hours a week. You would go in there with the expectation that it's a Wall Street has a perception, whether you like it, good, bad, and different is irrelevant to this conversation. I'm saying it's got a perception of how long, it's not perception, it's the reality of how long you work there, right? It's just, in fact, most of the companies there, they pay for your meals, your lunch, dinner, lunch and dinner, 
um, because you're working through the nights, right? It's like, it's just, it's common nature. Like I remember when I was interviewing down there and, and, and interning in those places, it's like that you just had a comp that you get paid every day for food. And I was like, what? Like you get, they pay your dinner and you go, then you find out, well, yeah, cause you're working till nine o'clock at night every day. They don't want you leaving for dinner. So they found it more productive to actually pay for your dinner. So that's the point of like, that just becomes part of their common nature. You get to decide what it is that you want your brand ambition to be. Maybe you are an individual who says, I'm only going to work 30 hours a week and I don't expect everyone to work that. Then say that. But then you may find some people who go, I want to work a lot more than 30 hours and I want my leader to be a little bit more responsive to 30 hours. That may not work for me, right? Or you somebody that said, you know what? I want to work X number of hours on the other end, 60, 70, whatever it is. I'm just constantly working. I love building. I love any input. And then you want to find those people. There's no right or wrong. It's just you creating this that captures your ad. What you're looking for is to get people to apply who are falling in love with your branding and your mission and your vision. And make sure the title clearly explains it. So I'll give you a kind of example. It's for a finance and operations manager. At Adam Hergen Rother Companies, we do not follow rules. We create them. We are leaders. We believe that business is a conduit for personal growth. We accept challenges, set goals, exceed them. We refuse to stay in mediocrity, instead to, to live purposeful lives without limits. We live in the moment and have committed to learning, working, and playing every day. We are the company of the future. Your mission. The foundation of our organization is our people and their drive to help us build a company whose mission is to cultivate personal growth through business success. As our finance and operations manager, you own the administrative, financial, and operational side of the business while keeping people at the forefront. This position requires well-organized individuals who is extremely detail-oriented with a commitment to following rules and following up while being able to think creatively and pivot quickly as the organization grows. This position wears many hats. Depending on the current priorities of the CEO in the organization, your daily activities may be focused on system creation, documentation management, accounting, data entry, financial reporting, HR compliance, creating, managing company policy procedures, tracking business metrics, onboarding new team members, managing new client contracts, software implementation, and management and project management. The successful finance and operations manager will improve productivity, efficiency, and profitability through the implementation of the systems, process, and strategies. Then we talked about the job there, right? Their mission in the job. Then we go back to it. AHC prides itself on hiring high-performing individuals. High performers like to hang out with other high performers. This job is not for everyone. The bar is set high. Our team has strong standards and expectations, and so do we. Our team thrives under pressure, isn't afraid of working long hours, or going above and beyond to get results, right? So just you're, you're clearly articulating what it is that this job is going to entail. Then we get into like, who are we looking for? And then we bold, team player. No one succeeds alone. As part of a larger team, each person is operating in their strength zone in order to achieve our results, right? And it just goes on to talk about, and we even have in here, it says, what will the company look like in one to three years? And at Adam and other companies, we walk about the list of what we're doing, where we're going, where the mission is. You're painting the vision for what it is. We even have in this, it says, what does your opportunity for growth look like here? So before they're even applying for the job or talking about the company, then we're laying out their growth plan for them if they're interested in this. Then we talk about next steps. So we'll, we'll send this over to you, but I wanted you guys to make sure that you're saving time and energy and making sure, look, because you may only have to interview 10 people if it's the right pond. I go back, one of the, I always teach this in career visioning is when Gary went and hired Josh team, Actually, Chris Heller was the one who originally did it, but it came from Gary's kind of um, vision or direction from this. 
the Killer Williams went out and basically found, they said, we need somebody who's willing to disrupt technology, who's not afraid to disrupt and not afraid to be in the fight. It's a different person than just somebody who knows technology, isn't it? It's somebody who actually wants to go fight and disrupt it. So what they did is they went and found a list of the top 30 under 30 evangelists in technology, which basically evangelists essentially somebody who wants to go, you know, disrupt industries and basically wants to cause trouble, right? They actually want to go out there and they're willing to do that ethically and, and morally. They want to go out and build it. So they took that 30 under 30 list and they, that became their list that they went after to find their hire. And then Josh was on that list. I think from that list, there were six or seven people. They narrowed it down and they made that hire for Josh. So my point is once you get clear on this and then you can get that out there, you weed away a lot of the applicants just by the wording that you use that captures the job itself. Then when you're actually investing time into people, you're investing the time most likely with the highest probability into people who want to be into your world. So that's, that's when you think about it, I just want you to think about, are you creating a job ad that captures you and your culture? That's painting the examples of what it is that you, where you want to go and their growth opportunities. So once you've narrowed it down and you've got your pool and you start screening people, this is a really powerful, powerful place to be. A couple things that I always like to talk about here. Number one, don't waste your time. Don't waste their time. If you get on the call and you know in the first five to 10 minutes that for whatever reason, this isn't going to work, you don't need to go, oh, you know what? I've asked for 30 minutes. I might as well sit on here and waste my time and their time just to make them feel good for the next few minutes so that then we can end graciously. You, by the way, you can end graciously after 10 minutes or so, right? You don't, it's not like you just say, am I interested in you? I'll see you later and hang up, right? There's a way to exit with class, but you don't have to spend 30 minutes. One of the things that I do as a tactic for this is I always look to say, hey, we're gonna be screening you for 15 minutes, but I block off 30. So for them, they're thinking it's 15 minutes. So after 10 or 12 minutes or so, and I've done my due diligence on this, and I've realized that this is a person that A, I either wanna move forward with right away, or two, um, except on both sides that I don't want to move forward with. You can say, you know, thanks so much for your time. You know, frankly, if it's somebody I want to move forward with, I say, we've asked for 15 minutes. It's clear that you and I need to build a relationship and I'm excited about this and I want to move forward in the next process. This is what it looks like. We'll schedule that for tomorrow, but I'm not sitting on there. They're not going to tell me something that they're going to tell me again tomorrow. So I move forward with that. And conversely, on the other side, once you get to a point where you know, they're not going to, it, it's just, you, you just, Hey, you know what? Thanks so much. We're just screening some people right now. Um, I, I, I appreciate your time today. We'll be back in touch in the next couple days. And so you just, you just kind of move on from there. You don't get what questions you have. You don't get into that. You just, but you set it up as just a screening it over 15 minutes. They understand what the expectation is. Now, if you haven't done you know, hundreds of screening interviews before, maybe you need to do 30 minutes to start learning it or even an hour if you really want to learn this process so you can start understanding behavior. This has just come with, with thousands of hours of kind of pouring into and understanding people and time and behavior that I can do them quickly. But that's what I want you to get to the point where you're doing enough of these so that they become second nature. So you don't need to spend 30 minutes or 60 minutes or 45 minutes identifying talent because you've, you've, you've had a breadth of people that you've been able to take through and you can execute on that. I have some screening interview questions that I like to ask and I'll ask, and, I'll, and, and these are questions by the way, that you can ask in a formal setting, like in a Zoom or on a phone call or in person, or you can just ask in Thanksgiving or Christmas to spice things up. Or if you really want to know, you know, I, I remember an example. I, there's a, somebody in our family that uh, 
I was just like, man, this person keeps getting promoted, but every time I get around them, I'm like, how, where is this talent that these people see in this guy? Cause I'm sitting there and like, we're talking about, and he's just, maybe he's not a salesperson. Maybe and he's not, he's more in the tech on the, on the production side of things. So I actually asked him some specific questions here and I realized why he was so talent. He just doesn't like to communicate in, in social settings, which made it seem awkward. Anyways, here's some questions I'd like to ask. And I'll tell you why. Number one is I like to ask, you know, what do you know about Adam Herkenrother companies, whatever your company name is? You're doing this because you're seeing how much time and energy they put into understanding who you are. That's pretty self-explanatory. If the answer is no, it's not a no for me, but it's definitely a red flag. And, and with all the content that we have out there and that you guys probably have out there, it's not hard to do some research on this, right? So here's a couple of questions that I, that I love to ask. You know, why wouldn't we hire you? And what you're looking for is you're looking for how they respond. Do they get angry? Do they personally, they get attacked from this? Or what is their response? The really cool thing is, you know, I, I see a lot of kind of similar responses of, you know, say nine out of 10 people respond the same way or thereabouts with like a same kind of safe question. But then one out of 10 responds in a way that you go, man, that's a very well answered question. That's talent. That's, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the anomaly of how they answer, not the answer itself. That's why you have to do a lot of these so that you understand you have a reference. If you do one, you've made one higher or have one person of reference. If you do a hundred of these, you start to understand that two or three sound different. The rest of them sound the same, right? Um, you know, a couple here, one of the things I love to ask too is what is the biggest misperception people have of you is, you know, sometimes again, you hear the you can hear canned ones or you can hear ones where people get very vulnerable. I love, I'm looking for how vulnerable people are here, right? Are they willing to tell me like the truth? Because look, everybody has a perception about this and you know it for the most part. People are like, I don't really know. I don't think I have one. You can instantly know this person is probably not as coachable as you think you are. It's not, again, not any one of these in isolation is a no, but all of these are put together to kind of paint the, the stripes of the zebra to pay, have the pattern, right? Um, so what is the biggest misperception? What have your parents taught you? Great question, by the way, right? One of the things that's kind of interesting is, you know, how do you, what energizes you outside of your office and how do you unplug? You're looking for habits in this. You're looking for, and there's no right or wrong here, just looking for habits. You know, I unplug by watching TV. Okay, well, tell me how much time you watch TV. What does that look like? What's your favorite show? What show you're watching? You're just digging in, right? I love going to the gym. Great, you love going to the gym. How often do you go to the gym? What days do you go to the gym? How long do you go to the gym? What kind of exercise are you doing? You're looking for patterns, folks. That's why you ask these questions for these things. Then, you know, tell me about someone who is better than you at a subject or your job that means a lot to you. Again, you're asking for how coachable this person is. If they get very vulnerable here, you're going to quickly see that and you, you'll see the pattern because they'll be vulnerable in almost all of them, right? Um, versus in almost all of these, they won't be and they'll kind of be standoffish. Like, like, how dare you kind of insult me? And I'm being a little dramatic here, but you get the point. You'll be able to develop the pattern by asking some of these questions that are there. Um, so here's some other screening interview best practices. Take five minutes, Google the candidate before it, ask the same questions on every interview. Again, you do that because you're looking for how people respond so you can build a background for how, what are good answers and what are bad answers. Not, well, bad or good. It's not bad or good. Just what stands out to you, right? You know, I had a professor in college, make a long story short, who was very notorious for having the hardest exams ever. You basically study and then his exam would be on nothing that you studied. And he was, you know that you'd go into it and you'd get like a 30 on your exam. He would scale them. So you ended up with a good grade, 
And finally, I ended up asking him later on after we graduated and I played golf with him. I said, Jim, you know, I called him Jim at that time. I said, you know, why did you make these exams so hard? And he said to me, he goes, you know, Adam, if I made it so everyone could get a B or an A, how would I know who stands out? How would I know when, when if there's 50 people in the class and only two people get a C and the rest of them get a 30, those people are now standing out. And by the way, guess who placed more people with companies and people that were in companies went to him as a professor looking for talent than any other place was him. Because what he realized was that he, the other people realized what they probably didn't know in college was, yeah, he was actually screening for talent already. So again, this is kind of an example of why you ask the same questions for those things um, and, and some best practices here. What to look for in talent, daily habits, education, side hustles, volunteer work, leadership experience, track record of success. What have they actually produced? Not the story, but what have they actually done? Resourceful, creative problem solving, individual contributions. I wanna hear about the mistakes and failures. Look, I just started this off by saying, my entire life and career has been nothing but one failure after the next and some success along the way from the failures. So everyone has failures. I wanna hear about them. I wanna hear about those things, right? And a big one out of all of this, you take anything away from it's that they're following up with you. They're chasing you because they want to be in your organization. That feels completely different when you're chasing somebody. When you have a client, if you have a buyer that really wants to buy a place, man, they're texting you, they're calling you, they're Facebook messaging you, they're calling your team line, they're calling you at midnight, they're doing everything they can to get in touch with you. Whereas when all of a sudden they don't want to buy, you're doing everything trying to do to get in touch with them to get an answer from them. You want it to be like that for them getting into your organization because that means that they're, they want to be part of what your culture is, not just for a job. There's plenty of people to give jobs. You want to be part of your culture and that, that becomes meaningful when you, and yes, you have to find and go through more people to do that unless you can go, what we talked about before, slim down the pond. Thank you for joining us for this bonus episode of Business Meets Spirituality. To get free resources to help with your growth in 2022, go to adamhergenrother.com slash resources. Again, that's adamhergenrother.com slash resources. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening.